Old powers waken, shadows stir, an age of wonder and terror will soon be upon us, an age for gods and heroes. The glass candles are burning, and you're listening to the Obsidian Knights Podcast. Hello, my sweet summer children. I'm back with the juice to get you through the long night. And on today's episode of the Obsidian Nights podcast, where we go through A Song of Ice and Fire chapter by chapter, looking for all the little clues and foreshadowings and hints and all the good juice, um, we are covering today Sansa 4. Jesus. 4? <laughs> I'm looking at the Roman numeral and I have no fucking idea what it is. IV. <laughs> Why do I write shit in Roman numerals? I do not know because the books do, but it's chapter 51. It's Sansa's POV and it's like peak Sansa like this is the reason why so many people do not like Sansa. It is this chapter right here. Why? This chapter. So we're going to get to talk about it. And today I am joined by my special guest, Casey. Casey, would you like to let everyone know who you are and where they can find you? Hi, I'm Casey and I am on YouTube as House Lorebridge and on Discord as Lorebridge. And I am excited to get into this Sansa because this is a good one. Yeah. This is a good Sansa chapter. <laughs> this is a very good Sansa chapter. So for this Samsa chapter, I'm just going to give a little bit of background of what's been going on so far. So Ned has been arrested. There's been like this whole Winterfell wipeout in King's Landing and Sansa has been locked up in her room. And let's get into the juice. They came for Sansa on the third day. She chose a simple dress of dark gray wool, plainly cut but richly embroidered around the collar and sleeves. Her fingers felt thick and clumsy as she struggled with the silver fastenings without the benefit of servants. Jane Poole had been confined with her, but Jane was useless. Her face was puffy from all her crying, and she could not seem to stop sobbing about her father. I'm certain your father is well, Sansa told her when she had finally gotten the dress button right. I'll ask the queen to let you see him, she thought. That kindness might lift Jane's spirits. But the other girl just looked at her with red, swollen eyes and began to cry all the harder. She was such a child. Sansa had wept, too, the first day. Even within the stout walls of Magor's holdfast, with her door closed and barred, it was hard not to be terrified when the killing began. She had grown up to the sound of steel in the yard, and scarcely a day of her life had passed without hearing the clash of sword on sword. Yet somehow, knowing that the fighting was real made all the difference in the world. She heard it as she had never heard it before, and there were other sounds as well, grunts of pain, angry curses, shouts for help, and the moans of wounded and dying men. In the songs, the knights never screamed nor begged for mercy. Whew, child. Mm -hmm. So, Jean <laughs> so Poole's father, Van Poole, is dead. Like, let's start there. Her father's right. dead. And I think Jean Poole is smart enough to kind of know her father's dead. Like, she fears that her father's dead. 
Sansa saying that she's such a child because she's crying is annoying as fuck. It really is. It shows a complete lack of empathy on Sansa's part because if Sansa had seen what Jane likely saw before she got shoved in that room, like she'd be way more freaked out and a lot less naive about it. Yeah. Than she is. I think this is just her willful ignorance. She wants to think that everything's fine. Yeah. Um, Sansa, she's constantly comparing things to the songs and the stories of the past. And I get it, but at the same time, I don't because everything that she's been shown since she's gotten to King's Landing has contradicted all of those stories. And she says it like the knights never begged for mercy. And and like the, in the last Sansa chapter, she talks about how Joffrey had she had a dream of Joffrey that he killed a beast. And in the songs, they never kill beasts. They never kill the magical beast. And it's like you keep getting these songs shattered but you still believe in them and you still want to keep those stories alive in your head and I kind of think that it's like a defense a defensive mechanism in a sense I know like we all talk about well not, I'm not gonna say we all because there's plenty of people that love Sansa <laughs> right <laughs> me personally I I don't love early Sansa like I appreciate what she is as a character which is a a dumb naive child in right in a game that is made for adults where she's she's in a position she should never have to be in but she is in this position and that's kind of what life is like life like life isn't fair and it's not fair that Sansa is in the position that she's in but a lot of the position she is, is in she has put herself in which is her fault and not her fault at the same time. She is a child. Right. Like she she wasn't taught what to do in these situations that she's facing. But at the same time, the things that she was taught, like to obey her father or obey her parents or obey adults in general, then she throws that out the window too. She's just, she's willful. She's willful and she's also ambitious. Well, it seems like she was pretty obedient there for a little while, but once she got to King's Landing, and especially with the events of Ned wanting to send the girls away and everything, like she chose possibly the worst moment that she could have picked to get a little rebellious and say, I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. Like, this is the worst time for preteen rebellion. Yeah, and it kind of comes from... I mean, she's a young girl that, like, dreams of these... (laughs) songs and stories and stuff and she is looking at herself as a figure in one of them like the future queen of westeros like that is a big aspiration and that is a big ambition and she's already halfway there like her betrothal to joffrey basically makes her the future queen of westeros and she didn't want to let that go now if she knew that her actions would cause her father's death or cause the wipeout of the Winterfell. Like if she knew that what she was going to do was going to hurt her family the way it did. Do you still think she would have made that decision? I don't think so. If she believed that this would actually happen, like if someone was like, Hey, 
I'm from two weeks in the future. And if you do this, this is how it's going to go. If she believed it, I don't think she would have. Yeah. Like she, like she, people are going to hate me for saying this, but I do think that she is a smart girl. She just wants so bad to be in love with the glitz and the glamour of her betrothal and King's Landing and the knights and the ladies and all that. And she just doesn't want that dream taken away from her because that's what she's dreamed of her whole life. Right. She, she's fantasy. hated the North and how bleak it is. And then she gets this prince to take her away to this wonderful kingdom. And it just sounds so great. Yeah. She doesn't want to believe that any of this is happening. And I can't entirely say I blame her when she's, what, 11? Yeah. 12 when all this is going down? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I don't blame her either. Like, there's people right now that are in relationships with people. And they're they're actually in relationships with terrible people. But they had this fantasy of who this person is in their head. So they yeah, don't want Yeah, that whole being in love with the idea of love thing. Yeah. Just that overly romanticized goal that she has mm-hmm. in her head without taking into account what real life is. And I think part of that is how... She was raised, how Catelyn raised her, how Ned didn't really do much with the girls because, you know, the girls go with mom, the boys go with dad thing. And also just the North is so far removed from the politics of the South. Yes. Like even Catelyn growing up in River Run, for example, even she had a better taste of what the politics of the realm really was. Right. But the North is so far removed, like ever since Sansa was born, like... I don't think that she'd even really seen Robert or Cersei or any of the court visit the North or anything. Or if she had, she was a baby at the time. So she just doesn't have a clue at all and wasn't prepared for it in the slightest. No, she wasn't. And it's, it's hard because it's easy to hate Sansa. Like, I'm not going to like sit here and be like, Oh, I love Sansa. Cause that would be a fucking lie because right. I, I, do, <laughs> I do not like her. And it, and then, and I, but I do empathize with her. Now I don't like a game of Thrones Sansa, but when we get into a feast for crows and we get into a storm of swords, when she starts coming around and yes. realizing I, I think when the when she drops the fantasy, when she drops mm-hmm. the fantasy, it's when I really begin to like her. I actually can't see the Sansa that that book Sansa not being the way the show Sansa was with Daenerys. Like I, I just can't see that. No, no, I, I, I can't either because it's just not smart, and she is smart. Like, yeah, she does dumb. Foolish shit, but when she gets to the veil and she starts doing shit for um Sweet Robin and like when she becomes Elaine Stone, she's mm-hmm. very smart. Very smart. Well and, well, and even after you know she ends up married to Tyrion and is still stuck in King's Landing, even then, like the wheels are starting to turn. They're slow, they're slow moving because she can't really make any moves down there. Yeah. But, like, the wheels are starting to turn, and she's in survival mode, but she's also learning. She hasn't completely shut down. Yeah. I don't and, think. 
and trauma like she's she's went by the time we get a little further ahead like she's experienced trauma she's had some real life experience so Mm -hmm. when when she's coming to king's landing like she listen she's been born when she was born in winterfell the bells rung day and night the warden of the north's first daughter has been born she's so beautiful like she's basically she's been worshipped her whole life Mm -hmm. And when she comes to King's Landing, that is the attitude that she brings with her. And that's no fault of her own. That's just how she was raised. And then the first taste of something isn't right here is what happens on the Trident with Lady. Right. And and then she kind of pushes that. She like suppresses that down and tries to still be with Joffrey. And then she experiences... This trauma, which she hasn't seen the repercussions of this this shit yet, but then she goes through the trauma of losing her dad and the trauma, like she has so much trauma that that shit changes people. When people go through shit, I don't care how minimal it is, like a breakup, anything, anything that is traumatic emotionally changes you. So exactly that quote about Sansa, what is it? I was went from porcelain to ivory to steel. Something like that. Yeah. It's, it's something like that. And I love that quote about Sansa because to me, she's evolving from the traumas that she's been to. Because when she came to Winterfell, she was a clean, pure slate. I mean, when she came to King's Landing and yeah. now we're seeing it unfold and it's, mm-hmm. it's not pretty. Yeah, and I mean, you can't excuse the mistakes she made entirely because they did have severe repercussions. So I don't want to sound like one of those people who like Sansa who's trying to excuse it. But at the end of the day, she was a very naive and still very much a child. It doesn't matter if, you know, she lived in a time where the world was brutal and she should have known better. Mm -hmm. The fact is that she didn't. And she's still a child and all children have their dreams. Yeah. And no child wants to know what adult life is really like, whether it's the year 2021 or back in King's Landing in the first A Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like, she's she couldn't have even processed what the world was actually like no. at that point in her life with the privilege that she was born into. Had she Was she lower born then perhaps, but she couldn't have even processed the shit show that this world really is. Mm, not indeed indeed <laughs> there's no way so i wanted to talk about gene pool a little bit because i feel like this girl's story is so traumatic so oh <laughs> sansa is like p- pent up in the room so she hears what's going on right he hears what's going on but gene pool actually sees some of it before she's pushed into the room um gene is like they're killing everyone. When Jean is pushed into the room, she's bruised and she's shaking and she's crying and she's telling Sansa, they're killing everyone. Like she screams it at her and like she's going on and on and on. Yeah, she goes on about the bodies that she saw everywhere. not And you know how the hound had broken down her door with a war hammer or something. Like, so she's given Sansa examples. She's not just being dramatic, screaming, they're killing everyone. Like, she's giving facts. Yeah. And, and Sansa's still just her rose-colored glasses on, her blinders on, la, 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 I'm not hearing this. 
it's so frustrating. Yeah, it is. But at the same time, like Sansa, when she is first pushed into the room, like Sansa dries her tears, like um, her own tears, because Sansa's crying at that time because she doesn't really know what's going on. And she like comforts Jean Poole and they sleep in the same bed, like holding each other like sisters. And it's like that is a moment of Sansa showing like empathy, but then she takes it away when she's like, she's such a child. Like she's still crying. Of course she's still crying. So that was on the first day. So the second day was even worse. The room where Sansa had been confined was at the top of the highest tower of Magor's holdfast. From its window, she could see that the heavy iron portcullis in the gatehouse was down and the drawbridge drawn up over the deep dry moat that separated the keep within a keep from the larger castle that surrounded it. Lannister guardsmen prowled the walls with spears and crossbows to hand. The fighting was over and the silence of the grave had settled over the Red Keep. The only sounds were Jean Poole's endless whimpers and sobs. They were fed hard cheese and fresh baked bread and milk to break their fast. Roast chicken and greens at midday and a late supper of beef and barley stew. But the servants who brought the meals would not answer Sansa's questions. That evening, some woman brought her clothes from the Tower of the Hand and some of Jean's things as well. But they seemed nearly as frightened as Jean, and when she tried to talk to them, they fled from her as if she had the Grey Plague. The guards outside the door still refused to let them leave the room. Please, I need to speak to the Queen again, Sansa told them, as she told everyone she saw that day. She'll want to talk to me. I know she will. Tell her. I want to see her, please. If not the Queen, then Prince Joffrey, if you'd be so kind. We're to marry when we're older. So (laughs) she's still like oblivious to what is actually going on. She's oblivious. Like she doesn't see that these people aren't talking to you because they've been instructed not to talk to you. And it's the queen that has you in this position. Like, who do you think puts you there? She knows exactly where you are. Yeah. Like she went to sleep, like feeling empathetic and scared and everything and she woke up and decided to put that entitlement back on and i am who i am so i want to see the queen i want to see joffrey we're supposed to get married like she's pulling out every card that she has to try and like force this issue and she's just those blinders man Mm so um she says on that night of the second day like the bells started tolling all Mm -hmm. through the city and she said the sound rumbled across the city like thunder warning of the storm to come so yeah so on the second day the bells are tolling and ringing and i love that foreshadowing of a storm coming because there there is a storm coming and the lord of storm's end wants his throne back like the the well, not the Lord of St- the rightful Lord of Storms End, right? Wants his throne back, wants his throne, and that's Stannis Baratheon. So Stannis mm-hmm. Baratheon is the storm that's coming, in in a sense, yeah, in a sense. And yeah, actually, he, he does come later on. Yeah, he does end up coming to King's Landing later on, and I feel like the storm, the storm could be so many people, like 
You're going to have Stannis coming to King's Landing. You might have Danny Stormborn coming to King's Landing. And you might have Euron coming to King's Landing all at one point in the future, like that we haven't gotten to yet. They all have Storm references in their name. Yeah. Well, and then the following books. Yeah. I mean, there's even Storm in the title there. Storm of Swords. <laughs> yeah. So, um, they're like Jean is like covering her ears and they're like why are they ringing the bells and um they're like the king is dead so they don't even really know that Robert's dead yet right they don't even know that he's dead they're like they're they're like well maybe somebody stormed the castle and king killed king robert mm-hmm. and they, like they don't know what the fighting is about like So Sansa says that she went to sleep wondering, restless and fearful. Was her beautiful Joffrey the king now or had they killed him too? She was afraid for him and for her father. If only they would tell her what was happening. That night, Sansa dreamt of Joffrey on the throne with herself seated beside him in a gown of woven gold. She had a crown on her head and everyone she had ever known came before her to bend the knee and say their courtesies. (laughs) That just shows where her mind is. Like, I think like somewhere in her mind, she knows that something has gone terribly sideways and that this shit is not okay. But she just wants so badly for everything to go to plan with her marrying Joffrey, becoming queen, all that. Yes. And if King Robert's dead, she thinks that she automatically has a shoe in. Yes, she does. And she loves it child (laughs) yeah (laughs) just such a child and it's just so frustrating yeah it is so the next morning sir boris blunt comes he's a king's guard he comes to get sansa and take her to the queen so this is the third day that's why the Mm -hmm. chapter starts out with they came for her on the third day yeah um so uh, here we go (laughs) So Sansa goes to see Cersei Mm -hmm. and Cersei, you know, asks like, have you been taken care of? And like all this fake ass shit, like Cersei knows exactly what's been going on. And Sansa's not smart enough to put that together yet. Um, Cersei is also like really fucking pissed that Jean Poole was put in the room with Sansa because, um, she does. She doesn't want anyone saying shit to Sansa. She wants. Yeah, she was worried that Sansa might have some heads up about what's going on, and she wouldn't be as easy to manipulate. Yes, yes. She wants Sansa nice and malleable, so she can feed her whatever she wants because she knows how much Sansa wants this dream, and that she'll just accept it. Yeah, and one of the one of my favorite lines is like when Cersei's like. Um, to keep you safe, my sweet one, Queen Cersei had told her, Joffrey mm-hmm. would never forgive me if anything happened to his precious. <laughs> like, oh Joffrey God. doesn't give a fuck. Joffrey would kill her himself if he just got the chance. Because I don't think Joffrey started out hating Sansa, but when Sansa saw him being a coward... and when Yeah, when, when he saw... Or when she saw him being attacked by Nymeria and Arya getting the best of him. Yeah. Even though Sansa was on his side, like 110%, that's when Joffrey started to hate her because she saw he was was. embarrassed and she saw what he was. 
Even and she, she should have paid attention to that. Good. She didn't. <laughs> she didn't. But his mask fell like that gallant print. That mask fell, and she saw who he was, and he hated her for it. He hated her because she saw him, even yeah. though she, even though she she didn't acknowledge it. Even though she was on his side, even though she ignored that he was a piece of shit, she saw him. And that's why he hated Tyrion. He hated Tyrion because Tyrion knew exactly what he was and called him out on that shit every time. And that's why he hated him. It wasn't because he was a dwarf. If Tyrion kissed his ass like everyone else, he would have loved Tyrion. I'm sure that part in the book where Tyrion slaps Joffrey in Winterfell after Bran's fall. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that is not the first time. Tyrion has done that. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, of course not. So they come in and they're like, I've brought the girl. Sansa had hoped Joffrey might be with her. Her prince was not there, but three of the king's counselors were. Lord Peter Baelish sat on the queen's left hand, Grand Maester Pycelle at the end of the table, while Lord Varys hovered over them, smelling flowery. All of them were clad in black, she realized, with a feeling of dread in mourning clothes. So they're all, the small council's all wearing black because the king is dead. So that's their mourning clothes, funeral clothes, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Cersei orders that Jean Poole and Sansa be separated. That's the first thing. Like, they mm-hmm. they don't want them together. And Sansa's like, I don't understand. Where's Jean's father? Like, she doesn't understand, like, that her father is dead. Like, Jean's father is dead. He was killed during the Winterfell wipeout. Yeah. Um, and why? she's like, why can't Sir Boros take gene to her father like why lord like what does lord peter have like what does he have to do with it like why does she have to go there and she's like i um that she had promised herself she would be a lady gentle as a queen and as strong as her mother the lady catelyn but all of a sudden she was scared again for a second she thought she might cry where are you sending her she hasn't done anything wrong she's a good girl and cersei's like but she's upset you we can't be having that and it's like cersei is so fucking manipulative like She's just, she's such a narcissist. Like, um, me and Alicia did a, a special that's going to be coming out on Obsidian Nights about Cersei. And Cersei talks, or Alicia talks about Cersei's narcissism. And, like, I can see it. Like, she's really fucking, fucking with Sansa's head here. And she's good at it. And she knows how good she is at it. Mm-hmm. And like, Sansa, where she's just so young and wants to believe everything good. I mean, she's just too easy. Yeah, <laughs> she really is. So uh, Cersei is like sweet Sansa. And she's like such a beautiful child. I do hope you know how much Joffrey and I love you. Sansa's like, you do? <laughs> and Cersei's like, I think of you almost as my own daughter. And I know the love you bear for Joffrey. I am afraid we have some grave news about your Lord Father. You must be brave, child. And Sansa, like, gets chills. What? And she's like, what is it? And Cersei's like, your father is a traitor. And Grand Maester Pycelle is like, with my own ears, I heard Lord Eddard swear to our beloved King Robert that he would protect the young princes and if they were his own sons. And yet the moment the king was dead, he called the small council together to steal Prince Joffrey's rightful throne. And Sansa's like, no, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't. And 
Cersei is like, well, we found this on the captain of your household guard. And and it's the letter to Stannis um, mm-hmm. telling him to take the crown. Yeah. And Sansa's like, your grace, there's been a mistake. And she's like, starts to panic. And she's like, please send for my father. He'll tell you he would never write such a letter. The king was his friend. And Cersei's like, Robert thought so. This betrayal would have broken his heart. The gods are kind that he did not live to see it. Sansa, sweetling, you must see what a dreadful position this has left us in. You are innocent of any wrong. We all know that. And yet you are the daughter of a traitor. How can I allow you to marry my son? So Cersei takes the manipulative tactic to like take the ultimate thing that Sansa wants, which is to marry Joffrey and dangle that on what her next move is going to be. Right. And Sansa's like, you know, I love him, but I love him. Right. And Cersei is smart to do that because with Sansa panicking and she's like, my dad wouldn't do that. This isn't right. Like he and Robert were friends, all that. Like Cersei knows that she is so close to putting it together and not believing a word that she says. Yeah. She dangles the Joffrey thing. Yes. So when Tasha says, you know, well, I love him, she says, she's like, I know you love him, child, because why else should you have come to me and told me of your father's plans to send you away from us, if not for love? And Tasha's like, it was for love. Father wouldn't even give me leave to say farewell. So this is this is what a lot of people hate Sansa for, because Sansa went to the queen behind Ned's back and told her of his plans to send them away after Ned told her that she couldn't say bye to Joffrey. This is Sansa's inner thoughts. She was the good girl, the obedient girl, but she had felt as wicked as Arya that morning, sneaking away from Septimordain, defying her lord father. She had never done anything so willful before, and she would never have done it then if she hadn't loved Joffrey as much as she did. He was going to take me back to Winterfell and marry me to some hedge knight, even though it was Joff I wanted. I told him, but he wouldn't listen. The king had been her last hope. The king could command father to let her stay in King's Landing and marry Prince Joffrey. Sansa knew he could, but the king had always frightened her. He was loud and rough-voiced and drunk as often as not, and he would probably have just sent her back to Lord Eddard, if they even let her see him. So she went to the queen instead and poured out her heart, and Cersei had listened and thanked her sweetly. Only then Sir Ares had escorted her to the high room in Magor's holdfast and posted guards, and a few hours later, the fighting had begun outside. So, yeah, Sansa went and told Cersei of Ned's plans because Sansa didn't want to end up in Winterfell married to a hedge knight. (laughs) Uh, I think she's being a bit dramatic here. Number one, Ned wouldn't have just married her off to some hedge knight. Yeah, but it was uh, in her status, but she's just being so dramatic about all this she in, w- in the wrong way. She's being dramatic about the wrong shit. Yeah, she is. And it, it the, the whole thing is, is that she wanted to be queen. Mm-hmm. She wanted yeah, she to got be- it in her head. Like, if if this visit from Robert and the whole court up to Winterfell had never happened, she never would have gotten that in her head. But once it was there, it was there. And growing. 
and growing mm-hmm. to the point that she's having dreams about people kneeling to her and sitting beside Joffrey in golden dresses. And like, she even says like to Arya, like when I'm queen, you'll have to kneel before me and call me your grace. It's alive. It's a very alive fantasy in her head. And she yes. wasn't ready to give it up. Well, no, I mean, that's, that was the top of the, you know, the, best that she could have possibly even dreamed of or that she couldn't have even dreamed of because it was so good yeah so what they do is the small council plays this mind game with Sansa where they say is she a traitor is she not a traitor her father's a traitor so she'll be a traitor too you know all all that shit like little fingers mm-hmm. in there like it, it's just they're kind of playing good cop, bad cop with her. Yeah. With, well, Peter Littlefinger's like, oh, but she's so much like her mother and so dutiful and this and that. And Varys is like, well, but the whole traitor thing and Pycelle is piping in. And I don't know if his opinion really means much to Cersei anyhow, but they're just all back and forth, back and forth. And, I, just, and she is about to go into a panic again over the whole thing. I feel like they had this plan before she came. Like, we're going to do it this way, and we're going to get her to write this letter. So they have her listening to their bickering back and forth, and they're like, Mm -hmm. just so she can feel like she's, like, her life is in the balance right now. And she says, child, if I could truly believe that you were not like your father... Why nothing should please me more than to see you wed to my Joffrey. I know he loves you with all his heart. And yet, I fear that Lord Barris and Grand Grand Maester have the right of it. The blood will tell. I have only to remember how your sister set her wolf on my son. And Sansa's like, I'm not like Arya. I'm good. As Septimordain, she'll tell you. I only want to be Joffrey's loyal and loving wife. They can ask Septimordain because Septimordain is dead. She doesn't know that yet. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And, like, she says it. Like, Sansa's like, I could, she could feel the weight of Cersei's eyes on her. Like, Cersei Mm -hmm. studying her face. And Cersei's like, I believe you mean it. I believe you mean it. Um, My lords, it seems to me that if the rest of her kin were to remain loyal in this terrible time, that would go a long way towards laying our fears to rest. And that's when they decide, like, they're, like, talking about um, Ned's sons and Lady Catelyn. And um, she's, they basically ask Sansa to write to her mother and her brother, um, Rob, and inform them of the word of your Lord Father's treason will no doubt reach them soon. Better that it should come from you. You must tell them how Lord Eddard betrayed his king. And they're like, um, basically convincing her to write a letter to Rob and to Lady Catelyn and telling them to keep the king's peace and not basically don't form an army, like don't do anything. Like basically just do what the Lannisters want you to do. Well, and another thing I thought was really interesting with this bickering where they were kind of playing games with her mind, Mm -hmm. they knew what they wanted her to do. They wanted her to write these letters so that it gave the claims of Ned's betrayal and treason more validity if it came from Sansa than if it came from Grandmaster Pycelle or Cersei or anyone else. But putting Sansa in the middle of it and having her make this 
quote unquote choice. Yeah. They're making her feel like she is a part of this and that she is doing something good. And she's so mature and so grown up and so trustworthy. Like that's they're just true. reeling her in more. Yeah, that that's true. Ma- making her feel like she has a part to play and like she matters to anything. And in an interesting Another interesting part, like to add on to that, is when she's like, Well, maybe if I can just speak to my father first. And Cersei's like, You disappoint me. So it's kind of telling her, If you don't do this exactly how we are saying, then fuck you, basically. Yeah. That's how it comes across, mm-hmm. especially to somebody that like Sansa, who's been sitting in this the whole time and she doesn't really know what's going on. Like she's really behind the eight ball here. <laughs> she just, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> she just does it. So, she like goes to say like I, I I only meant and then like just the the look on Cersei's face she she's just like kind of wants to know what like if her father's okay yeah she backtracks that yeah she back <laughs> yeah she backtracks she backtracks it but she does end up um, writing the letter she does mm-hmm. end up writing yeah the she letter. sends one to what is it her brother her mom. Her grandfather and her aunt, mm-hmm. who are all they are very major houses. Yeah. She's like, I'll write the letters. With a smile as warm as the sunrise, Cersei Lannister leaned close and kissed her gently on the cheek. I knew you would. Joffrey will be so proud when I tell him what courage and good sense you've shown here today. In the end, she wrote four letters to her mother, Lady Catelyn Stark, to her brother at Winterfell, and to her aunt and her grandfather as well, Lady Aaron and Lord Hoster Tully. By the time she had done, her fingers were cramped and stiffed and stained with ink. Theirs had her father's seal. She warmed the pale white beeswax over a candle, poured it carefully, and watched the eunuch stamp each letter with the direwolf of House Stark. So when she gets back to the room, Jean Poole and all her things are gone. Mm-hmm. And now she's like, no more weeping, she thought gratefully. Yet somehow it seemed colder with Jean gone, even after she'd built a fire. She pulled a chair close to the hearth, took down one of her favorite books, and lost herself in the stories of Florian and John Quill, of Lady Sheila and the Rainbow Knight, a valiant Prince Aemon, and his doomed love for his brother's queen. It was not until later that night, as she was drifting off to sleep, that Sansa realized she had forgotten to ask about her sister. And that is how the chapter ends. And I like that. Yeah. Because Sansa and Arya's relationship is very much a weird relationship. It's sisterly, but it's kind of... It's rocky. It's, yeah, it's very rocky. Like, even when when Arya is in... Essos with the many faced god uh in the tower like like she she doesn't really think of Sansa that much and mm-hmm. if if she does it's 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 never like my sister Sansa it's like I knew a girl that loved lemon cakes like you right. know it's it's very distant like it's very mm-hmm. distant. and I feel like you know what happened on the cake like Sansa and Arya didn't have a close relationship in Winterfell like we see that Arya has a lot of resentment towards Sansa in Winterfell and when they leave the whole thing with Micah and the direwolf or lady on the on the king's road and like Nymeria happened to be sent away and all, like all of that yeah. like Sansa not protecting her sister like all of that 
had an effect on Arya and Sansa's relationship for sure. Of course, like sisters are going to argue, especially young sisters. But at the same time, it does show, even though she didn't ask in the moment, she was still thinking about her sister that night. Mm-hmm. So it's still there. Yeah, yeah, that relationship still exists for sure. And it sounds like she almost feels bad that she didn't ask she does. about Arya because, well, she's realized that, you know, her, her one friend is gone and she's trying to feel good about what she did. But I think that's why she dives into her books because she's trying to escape whether or not she did the right thing. Yeah. Even if she doesn't know consciously she's doing that. And then she realizes just how alone she is. I mean, she doesn't even have her septa there, which, like you said, because she's dead. But Sansa doesn't even really care to think about why this woman who's been with her since birth isn't around anymore. Yeah, it's 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 a very sad chapter. And I feel like when it the way that it ends with Sansa, you know, like, oh, I just realized I didn't ask about Arya. She mm-hmm. like she feels like the void. Like she feels the void of like what you're saying. She's truly alone and you haven't heard anything from Arya. You don't know where she is. Luckily, she's not dead, but you're not going to see her for a long time if you ever see her again because we don't know if they'll ever see each other again. But I feel like in a situation where they do see each other again, Sansa is going to appreciate Arya so much for who she is. And she's gonna like that season eight shit where like, they like were being weird to each other. No season seven where they were like being weird to each other and trying to plot to kill each other. And then Bran had to like CCTV Sansa. Like, <laughs> like it was just, it was so fucking weird because I don't, see that happening like book Sansa is so much smarter than show like show Sansa is like mean girlish and very um kind of vindictive and then to Arya like I don't feel like that that's gonna be a thing in their relationship I feel like Sansa is gonna be like first of all Arya is a lot more mature than she was when they were in King's Landing together and when they were in Winterfell together and they've both been through a lot of trauma. So when they find their way back to each other, they're going to be very much appreciative of each other. I feel. Yeah. And I think Sansa is going to look back on how she and Arya were to each other as children and in King's Landing and realize that she really took Arya for granted because Arya was smart. Like she, she caught on to, more of what was going on than Sansa did. And she would try to say something and Sansa would just freak out because Arya <laughs> was talking shit about Joffrey and Cersei and like, I hate and all that. The queen. I hate her. I don't want to go in her wheelhouse. Fuck that stupid queen. Exactly. And, and Sansa is going to look back on it and be like, you were right. And I think with the way Sansa evolves through the books, I don't think it would actually take much for her to admit that. Yeah. To I admit agree. when she's fucked up. I agree. I, I'm, I'm, At least I, I hope not. I like the trajectory she's going in in the books, and I hope we just kind of keep on going on in that direction. Like, she keeps getting smarter. She keeps getting a little bit more independent, a little more self-reliant. Yeah, Getting things done. I hope 
she goes in that direction. I made a video about that and I don't know if it'll happen, but I really hope it does. Well, you have to send me your link to your channel so I can link it in the description box. I will for sure. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to add? No, no, not really. I just, it, I understand why this chapter makes so many people hate Sansa the way they do. And I get the argument that her actions cause a lot of catastrophic events. Yes. But we can only blame her so far. I mean, Catelyn made similar fuck-ups, and she's a grown-ass woman. Like, we can hate her for her shit. (laughs) But an 11, 12-year-old girl, I mean, she's just trying to figure out which way's up in all this. Book Sansa is like a Game of Thrones book one Sansa is pretty unbearable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like a lot of the Sansa hate is show related. Like for me specifically, it's show related and it's a Game of Thrones Sansa. Um, and it's 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 the betrayal of your family, the betrayal of your family when the houses that make you are Starks who are so honorable and the Tully's family duty honor and you just like forsake all that shit. So I get it. But at the same time, it doesn't make me like her anymore. It just, I don't know. The sh- I feel like the show really fucked her up for me. The show mm-hmm. really fucks Sansa up for me. So I, when I've been doing this reread, I've been trying to be more compassionate towards Sansa, but still at the same time, there's my I, my compassion only goes so far. So I like hate I hate that she betrayed her father in this chapter. I hate that like you're the reason this girl's dad is dead. This mm-hmm. girl like this girl is gonna be like in the future. I mean, I'm talking about Jane Poole here. Like in the future, she's gonna have to go through so much traumatic shit because of this decision. She's so this decision was like the big boom. I mean, there was a lot of decisions, but this one was the the period on at the end of the sentence. Yeah, for sure. Like half of the events that transpire for other characters, like Jane, for example wouldn't have happened without this butterfly effect that Sansa started. Right. Exactly. And I don't I don't know for sure if Catelyn and Rob would have reacted in quite the same way that they did. I mean, I'm sure they still would have wanted to go to war with the Lannisters over what happens to Ned and everything, but drawing Sansa into it just hit hard. Yeah. It hit different. Yeah. I agree. So she really did cause the butterfly effect that just affected everything and everyone. Yep, she did. And um, th- this is that chapter. It's <laughs> <laughs> a hard one. It's a good chapter, but it's a hard one. If you don't like Sansa, it's a hard one. If you do like Sansa, because the, like you can't excuse, you can only excuse so much. And this isn't, this you can't really excuse. We've given excuses for her but at the same time you can't excuse but so much so that is Sansa 4 and I will see you guys next week thank you for coming Casey I will leave all of your links in the description box as always thanks for listening and have a good day bye